I scream, you scream, we all scream for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And awesome discussions with those authors that we just mentioned, including today, Brian McClellan is joining us. Welcome, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me on. Brian McClellan is the author of the Powder Mage Universe books, as well as essays on the life and business of being a writer. He describes himself on his website as living on the side of a mountain in Utah, where he writes books and nurses a crippling video game addiction. (laughs) His most recent book, Uncanny Collateral, is described on his Twitter as Harry Dresden meets Dog the Bounty Hunter in a fast-paced urban fantasy about a collection agent who works for the supernatural. Love it. That sounds so badass. So yeah, tell us a little bit about the new book. Um, so the funny thing about this is that I, I've been working on this since I, before I became a full-time author, which was like back in 2012, I think, mm-hmm. um, my last job before becoming a big, you know, be- before, you know, leaving for good, uh, was as a collection agent. Um, and I just, you know, I was just like a phone jockey. I would just call people and say, Oh, Hey, you owe money. Um, and it was a super lame job and I really kind of hated it. Uh, but you know, it paid the bills. Uh, but when I was having lunch one day, I was kind of like, man, you know, what if, what if these supernatural creatures were forced to use collection agents to deal with (laughs) humans that wouldn't pay up on deals? Um, you know, just to like kind of keep the peace between two worlds kind of thing. And, uh, and I've been playing with that idea. I've, I've probably written six or seven iterations, um, of this story and you know i bounced it back and forth with my agent and neither of us was ever really happy with it and i finally nailed it and she was really happy and um it's yeah and and it's finally out and i'm very pleased so i i just have to ask uh because i think you know collection agents are up there with you know parking meter attendants as far as being right. beloved right like did you tell people that that's what your job was or did you just hide that side of your life you know, I, I only had it for about, I think, four months. Okay, it wasn't so a really point. long thing. Um, I, I, had, I went through like a long period of like unemployment where I couldn't find any job. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a friend of a friend uh, who owned a collection agency, um, you know, he basically had a, a spot come up and said, hey, hey, you know, you can interview for this. And so I was kind of desperate for money at the time. Um, that the the one time I had a job calling people out of the blue to ask them questions, which is you know all, just just about along the same lines, uh, was after a long period of unemployment. So yeah, I mean that's yeah. that's how it happens. Yeah, no, the whole phone jobs they're the worst. And yeah. um, but like one of the things is that when I was doing it, I started kind of feeling for the idea of a collection agent. Um, you know, I was empathizing because I was the one now on the other side of the phone. And so I, I kind of got this idea of like, you know, cause I'd get yelled at and oh, yeah. I was hung mm-hmm. up on mm-hmm. all the time and, you know, people would just cuss me out. And, and it's like, I, I came to like my headspace ended up being 
dude, you're the one that signed a really stupid contract. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my problem. You owe so-and-so 300 bucks. Um, you know, if, and it's my job to call you. So it's your bad. And, and that's kind of where I was coming from with this whole thing is that I've got kind of, I wanted to kind of do like a blue collar, uh, urban fantasy, this guy who he's, you know, he's a cool badass. Um, but he's restricted in the fact that his boss literally owns him. Um, and so he's in this job that he's really good at, but he also hates, but he also has to deal with the type of people who would sell their souls, you know, for, you know, the first scene is him collecting a soul from like some biker guy who sold his soul for a bitch and motorcycle. Uh-huh. And he's just, it is, I wanted that like annoyance to be palpable. It's like, dude, you know, you, you're the one that's running away from me. Uh, and you're the one that's made this dumb deal. Um, and so I wanted to like, you know, empathize with that kind of side of things and it, it's kind of fun to do. So I, I, this is urban fantasy. And what I love about urban fantasies is that they always have this really interesting kind of take on the combination of otherworldly paranormal versus like just day-to-day stuff that's going on. Um, so what is the world like here? I know he's based out of Cleveland, Ohio, but what is what is supernaturally happening around him? So I, I kind of designed the world to be that everybody knows that the supernatural is real, but everybody kind of ignores it. Mm-hmm. Like because there's such a good balance um, and because things don't really m- very often come out in public, everybody just kind of goes about their life. And, you know, occasionally somebody makes a dumb deal or occasionally somebody makes a great deal, you know, with supernatural beings. Um, but most people just kind of ignore it. They know it's there. You know, it's like um, uh, it's one of the one of the organizations is is called Other Ops. And it's literally like the FBI except they deal with crimes between, you know, humanity and the other. Um, and, and so like, I just, those guys are kind of, they're like the FBI in that most people aren't going to have to deal with them ever, but they know they're there. And that's kind of how I treat the whole other. Um, and, uh, and it's fun because you get these, you get some people who are really into the world, who know all about the other and, you know, they make deals all the time and they're, you know, middlemen and, and, you know, or lackeys or whatever. Um, but then you get most average people who are kind of like, oh, come on, you know, it's not that bad or that's a fairy tale that's not real, rather, you know, rather than a fairy tale that is real. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so he's, he's kind of between those two worlds and dealing with some people, he's dealing with the corporate side of the other. Um, my one of my favorite things is uh, about it, uh, about that whole thing was that I got to design like a little corporation for each of the lords of hell, um, <laughs> and they're all competing for souls. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's uh, Lucicorp, uh, which is owned by Lucy, who's a female Lucifer. Uh-huh. Um, and she's like one of his favorite people in the world because she always sends him gift baskets and she always calls him back and she's a great <laughs> client. Um, and, uh, and then they've got all these other, uh, Be- Bezel Mart is one of the, <laughs> them. Um, 
And uh, so, so I, I kind of corporatized all these different entities. And the first book really only deals with kind of the Lords of hell because we're like chase, he's chasing after missing souls. Um, but I, I want to go into that a lot more um, over the course of, you know, however many books I decide this world is going to be uh, where you've got all these different, you know, you've got corporatized leprechauns, you know, things like that. Everybody's in business <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's all business. Uh, and when it gets personal is when, you know, the cops show up because, you know, you're, you're breaking the rules, mm-hmm. the rules of engagement. I, yeah. I do want to send this book back to myself uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, circa 98, when I dressed up as Satan for Halloween, <laughs> merely wearing a fedora and a suit and carrying a briefcase full of blank contracts for people's souls. Well, I mean, that's a, it's a, that's a pretty big, uh, you know, kind of cultural stereotype of Satan is this idea of, you know, just a very slick guy yeah. um, who, you know, he's a, he's a little fast talking, very friendly, mm-hmm. you know, there's no pitchfork. There's no tail. It's what can just, I do to get you out of your soul today? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like they're not like, he's like the Saul and, Goodman of the underworld. Yeah, exactly. A little skeevy, but but mostly just in business, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get, you know, the thing going on. Do you have an idea how many books you will do in this series? Um, honestly, so I got asked that on my AMA the other week. Um, and my response was at least three. Um, if it's, you know, if the if the series is a colossal failure, um, you know, because I'm self-publishing it. So it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I'm putting the money up front into doing all the production and everything. Um, and if it's a colossal failure and I feel like I'm not even recouping my investment, then I'm going to do at least three. I'll do it in a, in a set trilogy. So it's finished for the fans that do enjoy it. Um, if people are really loving it and it's selling well, I'm going to keep writing them until we're all sick. Of it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, talk about that a little bit. The, the self-publishing path, is that something you've done before? So yeah, I've, I've played with it. Um, so I've got my powder mage books are my big, thick epic fantasies that I, you know, that they, they kind of pay the bills for me. Um, and those are through one of the big five publishers. They're from orbit. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, a few years ago I started putting out short stories and novellas, uh, that were in that world, but kind of like little backstories and side plots for different characters. Um, I self-published those so that readers could have uh, a little bit extra, you know, because epic fantasy readers love content. They love more stuff. Mm-hmm. They want to know about the world. Um, and so I started doing that and, and they've been really well received. Um, you know, they provide me with a nice little side income and they provide readers with something extra. Um, and, uh, and so I've done that, but this is my first time going at self-publishing as a kind of, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily a debut author because I do have a fan base. Um, but as you know, a, a first book in a series, a totally standalone thing. Um, and that's, you know, a little daunting to be honest. Cause, uh, cause I'm not like relying on an existing, you know, I had powder mage fans. I knew that I had lots of fans who would want to buy those books. Um, and now I'm kind of like, this is like, I hope that the people that are huge fans of me as an author in general will grab it, but otherwise it's not really supported by anything. Uh, and so, uh, jumping into that, I've been experimenting with, with, uh, doing ads and, uh, trying to do different types of promotion and, 
you know, just try to get it in front of people so that they can see the cover and, and hear what it's about and maybe give it a shot. I, that brings up a question because when you work for a publisher, publishers will often have an idea of what is going to sell, what they can market. Uh, that's usually why they sign an author because they fit into their profile somehow. And, and not that publishers are heavy handed with it normally, but that will, that will be in your head as a, as a writer when you're writing, having not not having that in your head do you think that would changed as you were creating your events and your subplots did you change that over the course of editing the book you know i uh, my my agent was kind enough to do some editing for me and she's read every iteration you know like i said i went through a bunch of iterations on this um and she had faith in it from the beginning she thought the idea was really cool and she clearly likes me as an author um, and so she was very encouraging and she was kind enough to read through things um, and, uh, and kind of give me pointers for, you know, what, what editors are going to want out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did, I, I kind of adjusted here and there, you know, when I was trying to um, go, when I was doing my editing and my writing and, um, and I finally, uh, we finally, we actually took it out on submission um, but we ran into two things. Um, one is that it's pretty short. Uh, it's, technically either a long novella or a very short novel, depending on who you mm-hmm. ask. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's 45,000 words. Um, and, uh, and it's also an urban fantasy and every publisher we showed it to all said, this is really fun. Um, there's no way my boss will let me buy something that's urban fantasy and that short. Um, <laughs> huh. and, and that was, so we kept getting shrugs. Um, you but know, think of all the the savings on on paper, right? Right, and uh, and and I. But we both had faith in it, and uh-huh. so once we had gone through everything, my agent just said, "You know what? Just self publish it. You've got a little experience with that already. Um, you know, give it a try and see what happens with it." And um, and what kept me going was the fact that the last like four years or so, every time I'm at a convention. And somebody asks me on like a panel, you know, what other things do you have in your backlog and stuff? I will throw out, I'll say, oh, I've got this idea about a collection agent that works for hell. And it always gets a bunch of laughs. Yeah. And I always have people ask me about it afterwards. And um, and I also, I went, uh, this was actually a couple of years ago, I, I went and met with my TV and film agent. And we were talking about Powder Mage. And he asked me the same question and I told him that. And he laughed and said, you know, I could probably sell that if you'll just finish it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and so like that's kind of like, you know, and my 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 literary agent was like, Yeah, you know, he doesn't really blow smoke very much. So, you know, he's you know, he's serious. Mm-hmm. So don't so yeah, get it finished. And and those were the things that kind of spurred me on to go ahead and finish it and then self-publish it. Um, because I knew that, you know, somebody's going to like it. I don't know if it's going to be a lot of somebody's, uh, but you know, it's worth a try. I very much look forward to reading about the option on uncanny collateral being signed. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm totally. sure. Yeah. No, sounds so amazing. now that you're kind of in this urban fantasy world, do you have any lesser known or, or favorite urban fantasy authors that you would recommend that people check out? Um, you know, I, I, I don't read much anymore, which sucks. Um, mm-hmm. I, when I do read, it tends to be like cool historical things. Um, like I'll listen to audiobooks about, um, you know, the fall of Constantinople, things like that. Um, 
and I, I don't read a lot of fiction anymore. The one that I do love that it, that gets doesn't get nearly as much attention is um, Stephen Blackmore. Uh, his first book, oh, I just forgot the name of it. But Stephen Blackmore, he writes a series about a necromancer that uh, in L.A. <laughs> and and it's it's fantastic. It's really gruesome and grim, and lots of swearing and horrible things happen. Uh, so if you, you know, if you're sensitive at all, I don't recommend it, but it's very funny and it's very quick paced and I really enjoyed it and they do not get enough. Nice. Credit. Yeah. I think, uh, just, just, so we can add more to the list. I think not lesser known, I would certainly say, but the Iron Druid, Dru- Druid Chronicles is still one of my favorite Kevin oh, Hearn, um, the Kate Daniels series by Alona Andrews is uh, one of my favorites. Of course, we mentioned uh, the Dresden Files earlier was probably one of the first or probably the first urban fantasy book I ever read. Maybe even one of the first like fantasy series that I ever got like through as a as a younger person. Um, but, I mean, can't say that I got through them because they're still being written. <laughs> but <laughs> right. at the time, I had read all of them. Um, and then we we really love uh, Shauna McGuire. Uh, like Rosemary and Rue and and those books. Um, yeah, I really like urban fantasy. I've I've read a, a decent amount of it now, I would say. Um, but I, I feel like there's always room for more because I always relate to it a lot. And it always feels like, like, oh my gosh, maybe something like this could happen in my life. And that wouldn't be too crazy. Although maybe it might be awful, but it wouldn't be too out of this world. <laughs> uh, urban fantasy is a blast. Um, and it, it, it is unfortunate that it, it like... So the way it was explained to me is that after like Iron Druid and uh, Dresden Files and all those other, the big series that you think of mm-hmm. nowadays as, you know, the big urban fantasies, they all got going kind of around the same time-ish. And then everybody, all the editors everywhere went out and bought tons of urban fantasy. And it just kind of produced this huge glut. Mm-hmm. And since then... Um, you know, for years now, uh, editors have been way hesitant to uh, buy any. But I don't know if that's happening in the romance world. I feel like yeah, it's ro- different. Yeah. It's different. That's a totally different place. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Um, yeah, romance is. I mean, that's way out of. No, my we could have ended the podcast um, there where I, you I, said I'm, I was totally right. That's why I got quiet. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh this is the end. We can stop now. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we do have a couple of questions, uh, from our audience. I was going to say before we wrap up, but if you have something to add to Veronica being right, I don't want to step on that. (laughs) No, no, that, that feels like, that feels like it should end there. (laughs) Definitely. Okay. Well, we should do our, our readers, our, our listeners, the, uh, the, the fortune of asking the questions to who they did put the time in, I guess. (laughs) Um, but Silvana says, hi, Brian, big fan here. Congrats on the new book. But why urban fantasy? I guess we already kind of covered that a little bit. Are there any other plans for other fantasy subgenre? And this is Powder Mage related. Let's say you have a deal for a TV series, which would be oh so fantastic. Who would you cast as Thomas, Taniel, Laura, and Adamat? Um, so the only two of those that I've cast in my head are uh, Tomas and Adamat. And uh, Tomas is uh, definitely Jeremy Irons. Nice. Um, a, a bit younger Jeremy Irons. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like a maybe a decade ago. Um, actually, no, it's uh, Jeremy Irons from uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Mm-hmm. That Jeremy Irons. Um, and uh, and then Automat is um, Paul Giamatti. 
Definitely. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The two younger characters, it's it's harder for me to cast because you know you you get a younger author or a younger actor and uh they're you know kind of I don't know them as well, mostly. You just you, you should get pretentious and just say only unknowns for those two characters. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Only unknowns. Yes. Um, but as for like other subgenres and stuff, you know, I, I love playing with the idea of subgenres. Um, you know, some people might know I wrote this little kind of experimental novella for Tor.com uh called War Cry. And it's a epic I it was my attempt to create a twenty thousand word epic fantasy set in a kind of a time period that's similar to the 1930s um, with shape changers and uh, airplanes uh, and kind of guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, and, and it's fun. It's, it's really fun playing with other things. Um, I don't have any plans, but that doesn't mean like that ideas won't suddenly hit me and I'll try something. Um, you know, my next major Epic fantasy series, I've already done huge amounts of work on it. I haven't sold it yet. Uh, I haven't tried to sell it yet. Um, cause I'm still working on it, but, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a similar to powder mage in that it'll be flintlock fantasy, um, around, you know, 1800s feel to it. Uh, but kind of the whole layout of the world and the magic of course is all completely different. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of stick with that because, you know, if I, if I don't stick with the thing that already pays the bills, my agent will <laughs> skin me, um, <laughs> <laughs> right and then and so will the bill collectors and you don't want to get back in that game again <laughs> right right yeah um so yeah that's kind of where i'm at uh sam has our next couple of questions uh he says first off thanks for writing such fantastic books uh which is very nice thank you sam uh and he says what was your favorite idea for a story that you realized you'd never be able to write and number two You've spoken about the trouble in juggling numerous magic systems. Can you speak about the challenges in doing this and what ultimately made you decide to include multiple magic systems? Um, so I think my favorite idea is actually, um, it was this story I wrote. I actually mentioned Kingdom of Heaven just a moment ago. Um, I wrote uh, the second book I ever wrote uh, that, you know, I never even saw editors or anything um, was this historical fantasy set during that exact time period um during uh like saladin and uh richard III. Mm-hmm. um was it richard III, the lionheart i think richard that was richard the lionheart III. i think that that's yeah. right yeah i think yeah oh no they'll um, correct us. don't worry mad at me if i'm wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it was set during that time and it was based around kind of that the crusades were all being were being fought kind of exactly how they were historically for us except they were all centered around these heroes that were kind of kind of like greek heroes and that they're like these unstoppable you know warriors uh that only get defeated when they meet another one of those unstoppable warriors um and uh and it was all based around this idea of this uh, this Greek pagan who was like this, like the last hero of the old Greek gods joining the crusades mm. because he kind of got dragged into it. Um, and he's like a direct descendant of Achilles and things like that. And I really loved it. Um, and it was a ton of fun, but I, I don't think like I, I tried to read it, uh, a couple of years ago, I found it in an old file and, and tried to read it. And one, 
um, you know, 20 year old me, uh, got all the history wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) this was, uh, and then the other thing was that it just, I, I never figured out how to end the story. Mm. Um, and, and even like, and I, I've thought about it several times since then, and I don't have a good ending for it. Um, and, and I don't, I'm, I'm on record as saying that I'm super lazy about research. Um, so I avoid historical fantasy because I would need to do tons of research and actually mm-hmm. get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I'll, it'll probably never get written, but I, I really loved that story. I loved everything about it. Um, in terms of juggling numerous magic systems, my biggest challenge with it is the idea that you, when you're making a magic system, you have to introduce it to the reader. Uh, and, and like my kind of theory on writing fantasy, you know, writing most things is that you're trying to balance the familiar with the unfamiliar, um, in a way that you don't, uh, lose your reader either because they're bored or because they get confused. Um, and so introducing one magic system is the easiest way to do that because one magic system, you can focus on it. You can give, you can have a lot of new proper nouns for the reader to, you know, pick up on and learn and remember. Um, but as you, if you continue to add magic systems, you're expecting the reader to sort through that more and more. Uh, and, and it becomes harder for you to connect with them uh, and make it actually work as a narrative without losing them to either boredom or confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have four magic systems in the Powder Mage <laughs> trilogy, and I am never doing that again. That was a horrible idea for like a brand new author. Um, and I kind of barely <laughs> make it work. Uh, and and I only I only make it work because I I keep a couple of those magic systems total mysteries and i don't explain them at all um but it's it's one of those things that i don't recommend at all um the next series i'm gonna have two magic systems in and i originally was only gonna do one but i realized they complemented each other and Mm. and so i'm i'm doing that but i'm putting my foot down no more magic systems (laughs) no brian Brian, no more Uh, and by the way, I want to clarify, I, Sam was thanking Brian for writing fantastic books. I was thanking Sam for writing such a nice thing to Brian, but I, I felt bad that I didn't give <laughs> Brian a chance to react to Sam thanking Brian for writing awesome books. Well, thank you, Sam. That's very kind of you to say. And also, we thank you for writing such awesome books. You guys are the nicest people ever. Oh. We try. We try. <laughs> um, but Brian, where can everyone follow your work online? Um, everybody can find me at, uh, my website is brianmcclellan.com. Uh, and I just, I usually just update that with, you know, what I'm doing events. Um, I've got a website store. If you like signed books, um, things like that. Uh, I'm most commonly on Twitter, uh, at Brian T McClellan.com, uh, or not.com Twitter at Brian T McClellan. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's basically where I hang out. I've got Instagram and Facebook and all those, but, and then I'm easy to find on all of them. Uh, but I'm mostly on Twitter and my website. That's the good advice that we give to a lot of people in in my day job is to pick a social network and stick to it. Stick to where your fans are and everything else can be like, you know, additive, but focus on the one important one that people are following you on. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't 
that was an unnecessary bit of advice, but it just well, made yeah, me... I like that uh, product uh, manager Veronica came peeking yeah, her head out there. That was, that was actually awesome. evangelist, uh, like yeah. product evangelist Veronica speaking there. So <laughs> No, I'm, I'm fine with that. Good advice is always good. I like it. There you go. And also good advice is to become a patron of Sword and Laser. If you like interviews like this one, want to help keep the podcast going, uh, you can help support us by heading over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links like, I don't know, Powder Mage series or Uncanny Collateral. You can find links to those books and all the books we talk about, some of our favorites as well, at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.